Welcome everyone to another episode of Heavy Forehands with Toro. We're already in episode 7 guys. I'm so excited about this project and we continue building, we continue growing the audience and I hope so far you guys like my content. Uh, anyways, this week we had a busy week of tennis, especially on my end. I played like 5 days of the week despite being traveling in Southern California. Uh, and today I played such a long soccer game. I played at like noon and it was like 100 degrees and it was like freaking hot actually. Uh, but we won and now we are going into the last match before the playoff and we need to win to qualify into the next round. So that's kind of like my my soccer hobby over the weekends. <laughs> Anyways, we, we had a good, of ten good week of tennis in the ATP events. Uh, Sebastian Baez won the Wisdom Salem event, so congrats to Seba, a fellow Argentinian, who beat Lehezkash from, I think he's from Czech Republic. He beat him in the final for 6-4 and 6-2, and, and he won his first hardcore event. So congrats to Seba, I think he won already five titles in the last two years, so congrats to him. and. And now, yeah, this week we're going to be discussing the PTPA. But before that, I just want to remind you guys to subscribe to my channel. Uh, follow me on Spotify or Spotify for Podcasters. If you guys cannot listen in those um, platforms, I'm also on YouTube or um, Apple Podcasts. I'm going to remind you one more time to send me your tennis videos so we can get the Toro section uh, called Toro Tips where I'm gonna be reviewing your tennis strokes and strategy and I'm gonna help you to become a better tennis player. So anyways, guys, I'm so excited to start jumping in and we're gonna start talking about the PTPA. Okay, what is the PTPA? The PTPA stands for the Professional Tennis Player Association. And you guys are gonna say, we already have that. We have the ATP, the Association of Tennis Professionals, we have the WTA, Women Tennis Association, and what's the need for this new organization that is going to try to create a unified voice for tennis? And that's the main reason. Tennis players right now are in the middle of a conflict of interest. If we look at the ATP and the WTA, both of those organizations are composed of the players and the tournaments. The tournaments each time they run one of those tournaments annually, they're trying to get a profit of those tournaments, either for ticket sales or through sponsorships or some brands. And the salary of the players actually are expense in their own income statement, right? The lower the expenses, uh, the lower the employee expenses, the higher the profit that they can get. On the other side of the equation, you have the players who are trying to make a living out of tennis. And in many cases, many scenarios, they are not, they are not breaking a buck as they should be. There's a big wealth gap between the number one, two, three, four in the world and the number 500 ranking the ATP or WTA level. So these players uh, have created uh, this association called the PTPA and it's led by Novak Djokovic and Basic Popisil. These guys started back in 2020 and they were previously part of the ATP Player Council. 
yeah, the ATP has their own council where players uh, have the opportunity, technically have the opportunity to, to make a change, but they soon realize that they cannot make a change from the inside. They say that they cannot influence the executives on the top. So they have decided to go solo and create this new organization with the following principles I'm going to start reading to you guys. First, like I said before, it's all about this unified voice. So the Professional Tennis Player Association is committed to navigating effectively between different tennis stakeholders on behalf of the men's and women's tennis players to take collective action and advocate on behalf of the tennis players. This is going to happen collectively. Tennis players historically has gone on their own. Tennis players individual sports. But in order to move the needle, they need to get together and push together. The second principle is that players should obtain a fair share of the business of tennis and terms of participation. They should have a share success on the revenue. They should have employment opportunities. They should have they should be offered working condition allow players to make a living out of professional tennis players in professional tennis. I remember when I played my future back in 2018, that's when I played a couple of future in Tunisia. I had a really good win, won a couple of matches of the qualifying round, then made it to the main draw and made quarterfinals. And, and I was pretty happy about it. I thought I was going to get a decent check to maybe cover my expenses, including my hotel, food, uh, the stringing, and maybe I can play, pay my flight ticket and cover a couple hundred bucks uh, that I can put into my pocket. However, I went to get my check and I received 360 euros, which I then went to pay the hotel bill and it was 390 or 400 euros. So I was on a deficit of 30 to 40 euros and, and all for that work, right? So, and I didn't get, I didn't get a profit. So technically I was losing money despite having one of the best weeks in terms of uh, level of my tennis career. So those things need to change. And, and like I said before, the big wealth gap that these players rank top 10 get maybe four and a half million dollars for winning a major or a grand slam. Um, which is is fair because they they're the best, so they should be compensated. The the large they should receive the largest piece of the pie. But players that they train and work and travel and compete maybe twenty weeks of the year, they should have a minimum annual salary. And that's what they that's their argument. They're trying to get players to be treated more as an employee. In, in in the good aspects of being employee. Employees have, in the, the working life, in the professional world, employees have the sense of security that they receive benefit, they receive, an, they receive a annual compensation, and you feel safe. But in many aspects of being a tennis player is that you're independent contractor and you, you choose the, ten, the players, uh, the tennis tournaments that you, you want to play. However, when you go to play a tournament, you have no say in your compensation. If you are, if you're independent contractor, ideally you can negotiate the terms 
of the service provided, but this doesn't happen in tennis. So you're treated as an employee in terms that you receive a fixed rate or you receive a salary that is only dictated by the, by the tournament. Okay, that's fine. But if you're going to give me, uh, if I have no say on the salary, at least it has to be uh, enough to cover all my expenses. So that's a really interesting topic. And we'll, we'll see how it's going to continue shaping up. In terms of the next principle, we have that they want to optimize and rigorously protect tennis players' rights. A lot of tennis players, they want to play exhibitions. However, the ATP or WTA request for uh, the displays applied uh, through the ATP or WTA, so they need to receive approval before doing those exhibitions. And uh, also the usage of the image and likeness is, has been limited by the ATP and WTA. So those other things that need to change. They also want to safeguard the tennis players' welfare and protect players from abuse. You know, if you follow the Australian Open this year, I believe Andy Murray and Kokinakis play up to 3 a.m. in the morning. Guys, do you know any other sport that you play past 11 p.m.? I don't believe that happens in the NFL or NBA. So that's not fair for the players. Imagine you need to play the following night after resting maybe five, six hours and playing such a long match. You, This is not good for your physical health. Is Players are going to get injured. And if they get injured and cannot compete, they make no money. So that's, that's not fair for them. So this is a, a total valid point on the PTPA side. Players should have a say on their schedule. They should play between uh, 9 to 10 a.m. to 10, p 10 p.m. Uh, and that should be the allowed um, schedule for them. They also want to change uh if you listen to the executive director uh of the association he mentioned that he proposes that tennis must be played with the same equipment across all the tournaments and by equipment he means the tennis ball which because of different tournament conditions and changing from city to city and playing with different balls it causes the players to get injured because, for example, let's say you're playing in, in the U.S. Open now. You're playing like pretty fast conditions. You're playing on hard court. And, and then you go and play in South America where you play on clay. It's really humid and the ball gets heavier because of the clay, which starts building up on the ball. Then players have uh, accused that they get, get injured because of changing conditions so drastically. So, and they're advocating that either you play with the same ball across all tournaments or that they reallocate part of the calendar so it's better for the body and the minds of the tennis players, which is totally fair. Um, on, I also see the argument on the other end that traditionally the schedule has been like this and it's part of the tennis tradition or it has always been good. You can play with different equipment, different balls, because that gives opportunity um, 
for example, a player that comes from winning with certain conditions, he needs to adjust and adapt to the new condition and kind of struggle and and juggle for with these new conditions. So that makes the game a little more interesting. But anyway, it's fair because, like I said, if players get injured, they they make no buck uh, out of their profession. And other the last principle that we have is that they want to advocate and contribute for the best vision and structure of tennis globally. That sounds like super generic, but let me give you an example. The wildcard system in the tennis world is kind of like the black market. It's kind of like happening under the table. You know how wildcards are decided. I heard many stories of how in a small tournament, in a future tournament, there was this wealthy individual that pay the tournament director so that his kid can play the tournament um, and his kid didn't have the, the good tennis level to play the tournament so it was only um, to give the kid a treat <laughs> so uh, this is not fair for example let's say a good tennis player that got injured and he's trying to get back on the tour he should have a say or he should have an opportunity to, to come back on the tour or let's say an ITF junior guy who has who has been the start at the under 18 level and now he wants to make the jump to the professional level, he should have a say. Or maybe a local kid that he's a good tennis player, but since the tournament is hosted at his city, he should be able to play. So those, for example, those three examples of players should have an opportunity. But how do you decide? There's no clear mechanism of how these players are going to be uh, chosen for a wider. So that's a really fair uh, argument on, on the PTPA. And and anyways, I think they're doing a good job. They're putting a team together. They have Novak and Basek who have experience on the other side of the table. And, and they know the priorities on the other side of the table, which is uh, conflicted, like I said before, 50% for the players, 50% for the tournaments. But now the PTPA is only advocating for the players. And like I said, they're putting a team together, which is composed of an executive tennis director who has a lot of experience on, on sports, on the world of sports. He worked on the NFL and he worked on the NBA. His name is Asmat Nassar. And if you guys want to listen to him i recommend following the ptpa on twitter they put a lot of content they they are really active this is how i mostly was learning about the ptpa it started back in 2020 but now in 2023 it's knocking the doors really hard and they're recruiting they're putting a team together this guy he worked on the nba and, and nfl representing the players and and he makes a lot of good arguments of how the, the the salary employees, the the players of the NBA and the NFL can bargain for the salaries and can negotiate the salaries, but no none on the not on the tennis end. So I believe as Manasar he he is gonna be able to move the needle more than has happened so far. And, and hopefully tennis players can get rewarded from this movement. And before we, we close it out, I want to leave you with some stats. 
And, and I think I spend most of my time discussing compensation in this episode, but in future episodes, we're going to continue getting more specific on the different aspects that the PTPA is trying to change. But before, let's continue talking about the revenue of the sport and how it's distributed to players. If we look at men's golf, men's golf, 22.6% of the revenue is given to the players. If we look at Australian Football League, yeah, Australian Football League, I've never seen a match of that, but yes, there, there is one. 28% of the revenues is distributed to the players. If we look at the Major League Baseball, 47%. If we look at NFL, 47%. If we look at NHL, 50%. NBA, 50%. What do these guys have in common is that they're all American sports where the players have been able to negotiate the salaries. And now they're being paid fairly. All the NBA players, they I believe they have a salary of, on average a million bucks. If we look, continue to look at other sports, if we look at the Bundesliga, 53% of the revenue of sports are given to the players. And then finally, we look at the English Premier League. It's a whooping 61% of the revenues are given to the players. Okay, and you guys are going to ask how much is for tennis. Only a mere 17.5% is given to the players. So tennis players are leaving money on the table. And I'm happy that this new organization is trying to make some changes. Anyway, guys, I, we're going to continue talking about the PTPA. And, and, year over, yeah, and year over year, and week over week, uh, we'll continue giving some news as I see relevant. Guys, thank you so much for listening to me one more time. It's been another great episode. It's been great to learn about the PTPA and where it's going. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about the US Open. We have a lot of tennis coming up. Uh, I'm going to launch an episode next week discussing who are going to be um, the biggest favorites after the first week of the event both on the atp side and the wta side and it's going to be great man like we're going to have some great tennis Djokovic is playing great alcaraz is playing great there are also some um on our top 10 players like sinner rublev medvedev which are being really um really dangerous and and yeah i'm, I'm pretty excited about what's, about what's coming I'm gonna, I want to remind you that to follow me on social media at Costa one you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel or you can follow me on Spotify or Spotify for podcasters. And please give me your feedback. I want to continue talking about topics that you guys like, topics that you guys are interested in. And, and this is all about the audience. So this is for you guys. Anyways, guys, I wish you that you have the best week. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great one. See you guys.